you are worthy, you are divine. And when you look inside yourself, you realize that, you know that there is a peace that resides within you. And if there's a time right now where it's not that evident, it's there. And there are people that can help you find that. There are places you can go within yourself to find that. So never think that you are lost or broken or disconnected because nothing could be further from the truth. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our god, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am very excited to announce my guest today. Tom Walters is a meditation instructor and host of the Zen Commuter and Calmer in Five podcasts. With over 40 years of meditation experience, he helps his students learn and continue a daily meditation practice. He assists practitioners understand their power and divinity by sitting each day, connecting to life and their own internal calm, which completely speaks to me. I so appreciate this. Welcome to the show, Tom. Darren, thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited for our talk today. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I just want to start by letting everyone know that, well, as I said, you've been meditating for over 40 years. And that's that's a long time, especially since you look pretty young. So tell me about how this started. What led you to meditation at such a young age? It is one of my favorite stories to tell. And it's odd for me to say, too, when I tell people, I'm like, oh, I've been meditating for 40 years. I'm like, how is that possible? I'm like, I'm not even 40 yet. I'm like, I am way over 40. <laughs> but meditation has helped keep me young because of uh, abating stress and all that. But it all started when I was about 18. My mom used to teach meditation to people in the neighborhood. What a gift. What a gift. And I was chomping at the bit to get into that class. I remember asking her, I'm like, mom, can I join your group? And she's like, well, we'll think about it, sweetheart. Maybe just wait a little bit. And I don't know why I should probably ask her next time uh, I'm meditating and I talked to her why that was, but for whatever reason, it was what it was. But at one point she acquiesced. I mean, up until that point, I had my like ear to the door. And you couldn't hear anything. Yeah, exactly. I could hear a little bit. I'm like, I don't get what they're saying. I'm like, it sounds kind of cool though. And and then one day, my mom, uh, for whatever reason, uh, acquiesced and had me join the group. And that was the start of a beautiful, beautiful life. Well, how wonderful to have a mother in that space. Yeah, absolutely. She was so progressive. I mean, thinking about meditation, talking about like manifesting. And, and this was 1982. So yeah, I every day, whether I talk to her in my meditations or not, I'm always espousing gratitude for the lessons and the wisdom and just 
my meditation practice because it literally has changed my life. Yeah. So you grew up in a household of meditation, although you yourself might not have been. How did that go for you when you first started? Did it just, you know, it's like, all right, I get it because it was all around you or did you have problems? Well, the teacher, so my mom was one of three teachers that helped people in the neighborhood learn meditation and they were very well versed in meditation. So many of the challenges that I hear people have, I am thankful that I didn't have, believe it or not, sitting still, even as an 18 year old was not that difficult and connecting to silence and stillness wasn't that difficult. And so my mom was a meditator and my dad, my dad's not a meditator, but he puts up with my mom and I, (laughs) he's wonderfully progressive as well. But yeah, it didn't strike me as difficult at all, especially because of the experience of the teachers, uh, my mom and the other two. So it was, it came pretty easily. And for those of you that are saying, what? Meditation is not easy. I'm like, well, we'll talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about that because that is something we hear a lot, isn't it? Right. So you studied with your mother. Did you go on to study with any other teachers, ashrams or monasteries or anything? I did not. I was self-taught. I just poured over every book. And like I said, I mean, this was 18. So I was still living at home for a couple of years. So I was still attending my mom's class. So, I mean, that uh, that was a sangha right there. With all those uh, people every Tuesday, it was my favorite day of the week. I'm like, oh, it's almost Tuesday. It's almost Tuesday. Almost Tuesday. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, And I've had the, the benefit because of Zen Commuter to just meet many wonderful people who help me learn more. And my meditation practice is kind of self-propelling because I learn more and more through my meditation practice each day. Right. So Zen Commuter, I mean, it's great to have a vehicle to meet people like this, isn't it? It is. I've been at it a very short time, and I am so in love with this process and being able to meet people and share other people's messages and to learn so much. Exactly. Yeah, it's so wonderful. So I read that you have a mission to teach a million people to meditate. Do you want to talk about that? Indeed. If we think about the challenges that we have as a people, as a planet, I mean, everybody's got their hopefully their best foot forward trying to make changes. But I think the best way to make change on a global scale is one at a time and helping people understand not only their calm, but their connection. I mean, it would be like if everybody has a sense of connection, has a sense of peace. And that's one of the things I love most about teaching is helping people turn inwardly to see what the truth is not what they've been taught to believe what the truth is, not what their parents, whether people are well-meaning or not. It's like, nobody will ever know you like you. And many people don't know themselves at all. And that's where meditation really shines. So when we have this understanding of who we are, and when we have this understanding of connection, then there's no way we can even think about those denser energies of hate and violence and all those denser, denser energies. So my goal to help at least 1 million people meditate is to just elevate the planet, to bring peace to the planet. And it's already here. We just have to tap into it. And Mm -hmm. meditation, that's the best way we can do it. Right. So how do you do that? How are you reaching most people these days in the post-pandemic state? Is it mostly online? Yeah, it is. It's Zoom for the most part. I'm definitely, I think the pandemic... It's still with us and it'll be with us probably for forever, but it will just have to find ways around it. And because, you know, things have changed radically in two years, but I will be getting back out there and going to corporations in the area, speaking, 
in this country and overseas and just continuing to uh, help people get in touch with that peace that, that resides within them. So do you call the type of meditation you do, does it have a name or is it just about that connection with self? Great question, because one of the things that many people, many of my students say is like, what's the best type of meditation to practice? I said, whichever one you're going to stick with for the rest of your life. <laughs> you're like, that's a cop out. I'm like, I know it was kind of cheeky, but but it's true, isn't it? But it totally is. And the, the other great thing is there are so many different types of meditation that you don't need to stick with one. And I don't stick with one. I mean, I literally change sometimes every day. Sometimes I'll have a guided meditation. And for people that are just getting into meditation, new to meditation, those are probably the best segues into a meditation practice because somebody else is helping you navigate the meditation. So if you're concentrating on their words, then your mind isn't jumping all over. But with that said, some days I'll just set my timer for like 20 minutes and I'm like, cool, it's going to be an open meditation. I'm just going to notice what's here, the sounds, the thoughts, the absence of thoughts, just everything and just take it all in. So it changes day to day. So when I teach, I would say that there isn't one school. I mean, there are just so many varied and wonderful practices, whether it be Zazen or Tonglen or Meta Meditations, where each has their own value. So I'm kind of all over the board, but basically a focus of breath, body awareness, and visualization. Yeah. Do you mind sharing what your daily routine is? I know it changes, but is it five in the morning or how does that work for you? Oh, I love my mornings. Man, oh man. I love to share. Thank you. So basically when I get up in the morning, I don't even leave bed. So I'm fully awake, but I ground myself in this moment and in this place. So I literally sit in my bed and I just kind of trace the uh, the pattern of the ceiling. And I look around the room and I just pretty much get myself into this space. And it's not a long process. It's about three minutes. I don't grab my phone. I don't jump out of bed. But after that, five minutes of getting myself grounded, then I uh, throw on some sweats and take a walk out in nature. And I just walk through the woods to a university that's nearby. And I sit on the bleachers as the sun is coming up. And I meditate for 20 minutes, bathed in sunshine, sometimes rain. We'll talk about that a little later too. But then I walk back home and I study Italian, take a shower, get some breakfast, and then doing my Zen commuter stuff and uh, all those things there. And then on the other end of the day, same thing. So I'll do 20 minutes of meditating at night. Now, admittedly, many times those meditations end up, and people always think this is a cop-out, they start off as meditations, and then I end up... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you're getting to sleep easily, right? Yeah, it's the deepest sleep ever. That's one of the great things, too, when I do fall asleep meditating, so at night. Yeah, okay, I have two questions on what you said. One is, how do you deal with distractions? If you're outside meditating for 20 minutes, there's noises, there's rain, there's dogs. How do you deal with that? Great, great question, because many people ask me that question. And I'll be honest, when I first started meditating, I was the, say angry, but when I was meditating, I had to have everything absolutely quiet. I'm like, and back in 82 and where we were living, it was, it was actually pretty quiet. But even if a car went by, I'm like, trying to meditate. <laughs> I laugh at those times, laugh at getting upset while I was trying to meditate. But now to your question, I either incorporate them into the meditation as a focus, or I just make my way back to my breath. So anytime, whether it be a thought, whether it be a sound, we can 
acknowledge it. We definitely don't want to push it away. If we, you know, even as I just expressed back in the day, I'm like trying to push it, ah, quiet, quiet. Like, no, now I just incorporate those into my meditation. And if it's an open awareness meditation where I am literally just taking in all the sounds and sights and smells around me, it's easier. But to your point, if it is not an open meditation and I've got my breath and I hear something, like, cool, I acknowledge it. And that just bring my attention back to my breath. It's just like a sound will just be the same as a thought. So if we ever have a thought that becomes intrusive, we don't push it away. We acknowledge it. Cool. I'm thinking. Let's go back to my focus, whether it be a mantra, whether it be your breath. And there are many times that I've had quasi-open meditations where I have been in a place where it's very noisy. In fact, just the other day, I was at the, at the bleachers meditating. It was later than I usually get there. I get there usually around 7 in the morning. And this was like 9.30. And there was a guy that was, he was literally mowing the the baseball diamond, uh, the outfield, and there were kids playing lacrosse on the other field. Believe it or not, I just brought my attention there and just did what I said, brought my attention back to my breath and just went back. So. Right. Yeah. It's truly a practice, isn't it? It really is. And admittedly, there are days where it's going to be easier than others. I mean, sometimes I'll like, if I do get to the, the bleachers late and there's a game going on, I'm like, okay, you know what? I know I'm good, but I don't know if I'm feeling that good today. <laughs> I'll just go home and do it there. <laughs> <laughs> right. What general area of the world are you in? I know you're in the U.S. You're on the East Coast? Yeah, exactly. Nashua, New Hampshire, which is about 30 miles north of Boston. So I love it here because within an hour, I can be city, woods, ocean, mountains. It's perfect. It's great. Yeah. Now, where are you? I'm in Seattle. So I definitely have mountains and ocean and, you know, smaller cities close by. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love it here. So tell me about the Italian. That sounds exciting. Why Italian? Are you going to Italy? Uh, I've been to Italy four times now. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that part of the world and I am part Italian. And even though my Mediterranean looks uh, have left me <laughs> or never arrived. <laughs> like, wow, you do not look like an Italian man, but uh, I've got a whole bunch of stuff in there. But yeah, so I've been teaching myself Italian. I've been to uh, Southern Italy mostly. I haven't gone Northern yet. I think next time I go to Italy, I'll be venturing North to uh, to Tuscany and uh, Bologna and those places. But right now it's been Positano, Sorrento, Capri, Rome. Oh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I think so too. Now I've been kind of in the central northern Tuscany and and Rome. And I want to go back, but there's so many places calling my name. So it sounds like you got a a wanderlust as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We never know where life is going to lead us. It's been crazy just being open and following the call. So I love the way you put that because that's one of the greatest benefits of my meditation as well. It's just an openness. And one of the things, even at 59, I'm like, when I sit down and meditate, I never know what I'm going to experience. Sometimes it's going to be just a traditional meditation where I focus on my breath and my body and I wake up or you know, open up my eyes and I'm like, oh, cool. There's this world. Other times stuff happens in my meditations. I'm like, I can't even comprehend that. <laughs> I cannot even comprehend that. I'm like, I know you're giving me a spoiler somewhere, universe, but I'll pick it up later because right now <laughs> my mind isn't figuring out what you're putting down. <laughs> right. It's like, Say that again. Wait, what was that? Yeah, exactly. And many times what my guides and my meditation will say, yeah, we're just letting you know that something to put in the, you know, kind of on the fridge to think about. You don't need to know it right now, but just to let you experience something right now. Something's on the way. 
Yep, exactly. But so great to be in a space where you can accept it and go with it instead of this thing coming up and then being, you know, angry or thrown off course or whatever it might be. What's interesting because when I was younger, it wasn't that it wasn't easy, but I was, there's a lot of ego as I guess there is when you're younger, but I was like, like my brain is pretty sharp. I'm like, I can figure out anything. So whatever, if an issue came up or something came up in a meditation, I was just, I'd like try to think it to death. I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And uh, obviously, later on in meditations, uh, my guides helped me understand. It's like, dude, your brain is sharp, but it's not everything. You've got a heart. You've got a soul. You've got a connection to all things. Like, just let it happen. Let it happen through all three things and give up the ego. And sometimes you're not going to know, and that's okay. And it's wonderful to come to a place and uh, to talk about this because it wasn't anxiety per se, but like I said, I was a seeker way back in the day, a seeker with an ego. And now I'm still a seeker without ego or as try to be as little ego less as possible. Right. I mean, that's the lifelong process, I think. So are there any myths you want to dispel about meditation that people come to you with all the time? Fantastic question. Absolutely. Because in many of my courses that I'm teaching online, I mean, there's a whole section where we just spend a day or a lesson talking about all the things that people think meditation is and what it isn't. I think the biggest one is that to meditate, you need to clear your mind. That's probably the hugest one. And I tell people as non-judgmentally as possible, I'm like, if you're finding a teacher that tells you, okay, let's start by clearing our minds. I'm like, ooh, that's probably not somebody who has the fullest grasp on meditation, respectfully. Right. Because our minds are meant to think. Yeah. Our goal in meditation isn't to get rid of thoughts. It's to become aware of when we're thinking and create the ability to empower, disempower, and just acknowledge thought. It's not getting rid of them, it's just learning how to work with them. All 40,000 that we have in a day or 60,000, I don't know what the number is these days, but there are a lot. So that's a huge one. And the other is, am I meditating right? How do I know if I'm meditating right? Oh, yeah. Do you get that one a lot? Oh, yeah. I mean, what's the right way to do it? Yeah, definitely. I tell people, if you set aside time, to sit in silence and stillness and turn inwardly, you've succeeded. And meditation really doesn't have to do with succeeding. Meditation is like one of the things that is so antithetical to what our culture believes. You know, beginning and you start off as a novice, you get to be a pro, and it's going to be a steady climb till you're a guru or an ace or a pro. I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all. How about length of time? People think it has to be 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. I love that question because that is absolutely, if I think about that, that is one of the heavy hitters. Because I think many times because of social media, because of the access we have, you know, people, well-meaning or not, say, oh, I just got done meditating for an hour. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, don't tell people that because they're going to think they have to do that. Right. And yeah, to your, to your point, there is no time. I do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes a night, and I know that that mirrors transcendental meditation practice. But to be honest, I'm not that well-versed in TM. But to your point, literally four minutes, two minutes, whatever you have. And there are many people that's like, Tom, I'm trying to get a consistent practice, but sometimes I wake up late and I got to rush out the door. I'm like, you will do what you will do. I would advise you, it may be in your best interest to just take two minutes, two minutes. I mean, it could be as simple as the time it takes to take four deep breaths, expanding our abdomen and triggering that parasympathetic nervous system and our relaxation response. 
And for me, even though there's no time of day that is specifically set aside for meditation, I love it in the morning and at night, but mostly in the morning. But if you get there, that's cool. But to that, my point, whether it's two minutes in the morning, you just set a tone for the entire day. And it doesn't mean the day is going to be absolutely flawless, but like if bumps come up, you're a bit more able to handle them without totally flying off the handle and like yanking out whatever hair you have, if you have hair. Yeah, that's true. I totally agree. I actually teach people as well. If there's a time you're sitting down, you know, eating breakfast, doing your makeup, going to the bathroom, just sit for two minutes more and be quiet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things too is many people think that meditation is very sit on a cushion, sit in a chair, lotus, and that's it. I'm like, no. For people that have challenges sitting still, there's walking meditations, there's tai chi, there's mindful meditations. I mean, there are times that I'll be in the supermarket and whether it be my guides, whether it be just my higher self, I'll be in there and I'll grab my phone. I'm like, dude, you don't need your phone. Put it back. Put it back. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> just be here and just look and just be in this space. And when I get those reminders, whether they be on my own or with the help of one of my guides, I am incredibly thankful because uh, much like I talk about on my show and other shows is that our culture is so focused on the future or the past, regrets or worries, that they're just missing all the beauty that is here. And it is abundant, absolutely abundant. And I'm no no saint. There are days that I'm just like, okay, I got to do the podcast. I'm going to do some marketing. I got to make sure I can answer those emails. And like, but the times like in the morning when I take my walks, I'm just like, you know what? This is a pretty cool planet. It's a cool world. I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> and it's from being in that moment. Wouldn't it be interesting if everyone took their TikTok time and spent it a little more mindfully and aware? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? We're doing our part. Yeah, exactly. We're doing what we can. So what would you say to the very beginner, to the, you know, I can't do it, I've tried, I don't know how, to the listeners that haven't even tried it, what would you suggest? I'd say much to your point earlier, start small. You know, our practice is a very private practice. Yeah, there's group meditations you can do, but at the kind of the base level, your practice is your practice. So you don't have to try and mirror the guy or gal that's meditating for an hour. You don't have to sit in the lotus position. Literally, if you can just start off by taking four deep breaths, I mean, that's the simplest segue because there are two things about that because it starts you off understanding what it's like, but it's also physiological. Many times people think that meditation is like, something that monks do in the Himalayas or Tibet. And it's like, it's like, that's for them. That's not for me. The one thing that's important that I let everybody know is that absolutely positively everybody can meditate. So when they are able to take those deep breaths, they're starting to understand that stillness. And to your point, just small steps, like two minutes just of quiet. And just like we were talking about, instead of grabbing your phone, two minutes, are thoughts going to come in? Yeah, they will. Of course they will. And I tell new meditators that all the time. When you sit down, your mind has never been still, respectfully. You've never sat still. You've done everything you can to run from your mind, whether it be Netflix, scrolling, anything. So thoughts will come, but they're just thoughts. And not every thought that enters your mind is real. In fact, I many people might think I'm crazy, but like every thought is fictitious. We empower it. We, as a culture, we empower thoughts, but that doesn't make them real. They're all just... I don't want to say ramblings, but they're creations of our mind. So when you're sitting down to meditate, you will have thoughts, but just bring your focus back to your breath. And it doesn't even have to be a breath. If you're having trouble sitting down, just walk in the woods 
and just take in the woods. It could be a traditional walking meditation, which we'll, we can probably get into some other time, maybe when, you, uh, when you're on my show. But yeah, just start slow. That's the biggest thing. Know that there's no way you can do it wrong. If you set time aside that you can't do it wrong, start off slow, one minute, two minutes, and just build, build, build. And if you miss a day, no worries. It's not the end of the world. Be patient with yourself. Be kind with yourself and just get back on the horse. Right. You know, actually, that reminds me, you talked about the monks in the Himalayas. What about thinking the purpose is for enlightenment? Like, what if we don't have that, oh my God, experience in it? Would you tell the listeners that's something they should expect or not expect? No. You know, that's an awesome question. I love that question. And I'm definitely very reticent about when I talk about my meditation, talking about the transcendent moments that I have, the very the moments where I connect with source or when I feel connected to all life. Those moments will happen, but they don't happen that frequently. I'll be honest with you. Like uh, There are times where I'm like, just like we talked about earlier, where it's just sitting, quieting your mind, turning inwardly, and then you're done. So one of the things I always talk about is having expectations or intentions. One of those words is not going to be serving for us. The other definitely will. If we expect something to happen, we're going to set ourselves up for failure. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get in touch with God, Buddha, whoever, I'm going to feel all things. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. They might happen, but don't expect them to happen. You can have the intention. I mean, many times I've gone into meditation like, okay, guides, I don't know what's going on with this. Can you give me a hand? Sometimes I'll get, I'm like, yeah, just think about this, think about that. And other times it's just like, cricket, cricket, cricket. I'm like, okay, guys, <laughs> I guess I'm on my own. No worries. I'll figure it out. <laughs> exactly. So not expect it, but they will happen. And one of the things I love about teaching meditation to uh, in the corporate environment, I have some corporate people come to me. It's like, you know what? I want my staff to be able to pay more attention, to be more focused, to be more creative. Are those things that meditation can do? I'm like, absolutely, they can. Absolutely, they can. And one of the things I kind of grin because I'm like, it's so much more. And you're going to find out it's so much more because many people, like I said, have not had a still mind. So once they figure, I'm like, wow, cool. I'm being more creative and productive. And uh, I've got the attention. And then they're like, still here. It's still. What is this? And then they either get those moments where they connect with source, but they just experience something so much deeper. And those are the moments, those are the transformation moments I just love when I'm teaching clients. I mean, no disrespect to people are like, yeah, I want to be able to be more creative and focused. I'm like, those are great things. But that's for the, the corporate world. I'm like, oh, the world is so much bigger than the corporate world. Okay. I have to ask, when a corporation hires you, do some of the people then find out or realize this isn't the right place for me? I need to quit my job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'm pretty upfront with people when I'm telling the people that hire me to teach meditation. I'm like, a lot of people are just on autopilot. Some people, when they get in touch, and to be honest, I love those moments. They, they don't happen a lot, but when they do, in fact, there's a course that I'm going to be rolling out in a couple of weeks that's geared toward that very thing, helping you navigate the corporate world with meditation, but also understand that you might find out in your meditation that, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here. I mean, to be honest with you, that's exactly what happened to me. I was working, uh, I had my meditation practice forever, but I was working for Fidelity Investments. And I went in one Sunday to just clean up some stuff that I didn't have time to finish up in the week. And uh, literally out loud, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, okay, am I done here? Thinking to myself, did I do all the things I needed to do? And then my guides chimed in to say, 
you are done here. You're done here. And I heard it in, I heard it resound in my soul. I'm like, oh, you're telling me I'm done here. I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. So I spent another half hour typing up a letter of resignation and put it under my vice president's door. And the rest, they say, is history. (laughs) Wow. How exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. It was, I walked out of there like walking on air. I'm like, wow, not only am I free finally, but I just feel I'm moving into what I'm supposed to be doing. And doing payroll wasn't really it. It might be for some people, but it wasn't for you. I'm glad you break that up. I'm like, you know what? If that's your passion, then go for it. Knock yourself out. Live that life. Yeah. There's something for making a decision that's aligned with your soul. I mean, that's awesome. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. It's so clear too. Yeah. I mean, you hear words, right? Sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. No, in, in the most perfect moments, whether getting back to what we were talking about, uh, whether those moments of meditation where they are there is enlightenment or what have you, sometimes I'll hear my guides talking about why something is. And other times I'm like, I won't hear a word, but I will just feel a truth just resounding in every cell of my being, like a certainty that doesn't exist a lot in my waking uh, in my waking days. Well, I shouldn't say that because when I wake up every morning, it's so clear of the work I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing. But to my point, there isn't just an auditory or a conscious awareness of what a quote answer is. You feel it and you feel it in your body and sometimes you feel it outside of your body. So, yeah. I feel like I could talk to you for another couple hours about you you say little things in every answer that I want to go off on, but I know it'll just take this on forever. So what I do want to ask as one of the final questions is what do you want everyone to know? If you could tell everyone in the world, this is it. I'm laughing because when I first started Zen Commuter, that was a standard question that I'd ask all my guests. And I don't ask it every now and then, and it's never been asked of me. So I'm kind of laughing and I'm thankful for the question. I think if I had the attention of everybody on the planet, I would say that you are worthy, you are divine. And when you look inside yourself, you realize that, you know that there is a peace that resides within you. And if there's a time right now where it's not that evident, it's there. And there are people that can help you find that. There are places you can go within yourself to find that. So never think that you are lost or broken or disconnected because nothing could be further from the truth. Awesome. Gosh, I love that. All right. So why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you, what you have coming up, what kind of offerings or anything special? Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. So the best way to get in touch with me is just go out to zencommuter.com. That's my site. And people want to sign up for the the newsletter there. They also have the opportunity of getting one of my guided meditations. It's an 18-minute meditation. But you can also find me out on Insight Timer. I don't know if your listeners know about Insight Timer. I would imagine they would. Well, go ahead and explain it. Yeah, fantastic. So there are a variety of meditation apps, obviously. But Insight Timer, not just because I'm an instructor there, but it's a free app. So it's not like, cool, we're going to make money off teaching you how to meditate. But I'm out there. So I think I've got about probably about 15 meditations out there. Under your name or under Zen Commuter? Under my name. Yeah, Tom Walters. <laughs> Thanks for making that clarification. But with that said, I also host a group uh, within Insight Timer, the Zen Commuter group. And so definitely if people download the app and want to join the group. We're always looking for people. It's a great community. We meditate on Thursdays and Sundays. We do a group meditation. 
it's not live visual, but it's through chat. And uh, we're all linked to the same guided meditation that I curate. So Insight Timer, zencommuter.com, and uh, Instagram, Tom underscore Walters. Uh, those are great ways to find me. And it's Tom with an H. Tom with an H. Great. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. It's uh, it's not Tom. <laughs> it's Tom. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. So much information and such a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, Karen, thank you. The pleasure is mine. And I'm looking forward to returning the favor and having you on Zen Commuter next month. So I'm looking forward to that. So whatever we didn't cover today, we'll cover then. Okay, that sounds good. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And I'll say goodbye to the listeners for now. I hope to connect later. So bye-bye, everyone. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.